Let's pray together. God, we love you, we praise you, and we give you our lives in response to what you've done for us. We're here because of you. You've given us life, and you have made a way for us to experience life eternal. And so, God, as we open your word, I pray that you'll speak into every heart, that we would just calm our hearts and humble ourselves before you right now. As you're standing there, ask the Lord to speak into your heart today. Help him, or ask him to help you to discern where you are on this path of life and the next steps that he's calling you to make. So Lord, I pray as we open your word that you would speak through me by the power of your spirit and your church would rise up to be the church you've envisioned us to be. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wow, it's great to see you. We have a, a packed house here. Uh, if you got in a little bit late, uh, all of our great hall crowd is here. Um, we're still worshiping in Espanol over in the gym. I was scheduled to preach in the great hall, so um, forgive me. Wearing the jeans, I asked Travis if I could borrow his tie, and he said, no way. And so um, I'm left with this. Uh, you all know, you know, the Great Hall is quite a bit more casual, and uh, we'll talk about that, how beautiful it is that we worship God in different ways. Many of you are here because we have, uh, yeah, we help people connect with God in worship uh, through so many avenues, and we all worship in our own different ways. It's a beautiful thing. Well, if you've been in Connect Group today, if you've been around much, you know that we're walking through a series of messages called Rediscover. We have material we're going through our Connect Groups, and uh, it has been incredible. I was thinking as the choir was singing and all of the, the orchestra playing their varied instruments, singing uh, and playing, not the same. We're not the same. Unity is not the same, not sameness. That's uniformity. Uh, it's unity in the church is all of us different but moving in the same direction, or in this case, singing the same song, the same melody or harmonies in the same key. This is a beautiful picture. And then when we all sing together, it's a picture of the church, everyone bringing a voice to what God is up to corporately among us. And so we're talking about that. How can we get on the same page, not all be the same, but all moving in the same direction? So we're talking about what it is to rediscover our purpose here and it has been an amazing uh, month already. Can you believe it? Thanksgiving week. And so praise be to God for all that he's done for us. So last night, I was with my son Travis. We went to uh, a Ben Rector concert. I don't know if we have any Ben Rector fans here. Some of y'all were actually there because I saw you um, out too late, like your pastor. But uh, Travis and I, one of our favorite, my favorite artists, and Ben uh, is just a fun uh, musician, artist. He's a Christian, but he sings lots of fun songs just about life and love. And he has this song on his new album, uh, and it's called Drive. And the idea of the song is that he's just going to go with his sweetheart, and they're just going to take a ride, just drive. And uh, he says, NYC, Portland, maybe Boston, maybe Anaheim, maybe Austin. And he, and he just says, let's just hit the road and drive. I don't know if you've ever done that. Now, either you've got a free, freer schedule than I do or lots more money than I do if you're doing that. But he says, how cool is it? Listen to this. The chorus goes like this. Like the river connects to the ocean, this pavement touches wherever we go. And 
white lines flying by. Who knows what we'll find. You and me tonight, let's drive. Let's drive. Now that sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? That's just kind of this spontaneous, joyful kind of way to live. And uh, I think it's really cool to think that the pavement outside of your apartment, your house, your driveway, right out here will take you to any road in mainland and beyond United States, right? You can go anywhere you want to go. But here's the thing. If you don't have a destination like Ben, um, any road will do, right? However, if you're trying to get somewhere, then you better have a plan. You need a map, right? You need Google Maps, or you need someone to say, take a left, take a right. You know, if you're a guest today, uh, I hope you ran into someone, met someone like uh, the Jodries. Because if you don't know your way around here, and some of you, you've been to the Great Hall, and you're like, wait, which way do I go? You need someone to help guide you. To borrow from uh, the world of psychology, we have mental maps in our heads. Mental maps uh, are simply, they, they, it, it tells you how to get to your office. You know how to get to work. You know, you know, students, you know how to get to your classroom. It's down that hall. And then the next one. We have mental maps. Helps you get to the bathroom in the middle of the night or wherever you need to go. It helps you to find your way. But we have mental maps in our heads about a lot of things. About uh, what we believe or what church ought to be like. What we think or or our, our social norms or structures, family maps, even our ideas about sexuality. And I say all this because, you, by, by definition, you need a force or someone, some guide outside of yourself. You either have an experience, having been there, which is great to have a guide, a person who knows exactly where you're going, which, by the way, if you're a guest, I hope you came alongside the arm of a friend because we're always inviting our friends to come because we know exactly where to take them and where they need to go. And so as members of the church, we're constantly guiding people, leading people. And I say all that because today I want to talk about a pathway. It's critical in life that we do have this mental map. I believe the Lord has given us a map on how we're to follow Him. The Christian life is a journey. It's the greatest adventure known to man. It's the reason that we were born. In fact, you know, to get in your car and just drive, that sounds like a lot of fun. But again, if you're getting, you wanting to get somewhere, then you're just, right, wasting gas. I mean, you're just spinning wheels. And the Bible calls that, Jesus, in fact, said the person that lives without a destination in mind, without direction and purpose, he calls those people lost because that's what they are. And most people in our world today are living lives in which they're lost. Arbitrary destinations, then any road will get you there. And you know this is true. We're seeing it more and more in this cultural moment of radical individualism that says, I'll drive my way, I'll go that way. You've got your way, I'll drive my way. We think that's freedom. No maps, no plans, let's just go. The Bible calls that slavery. And so today I want to talk about what it is to be a disciple to follow the Lord. So I want you to turn to the book of Acts. Would you do that? Acts chapter 2. And while you're turning there, um, there's a lot that happens before we get to the book of Acts. I'll get there in a moment as the primary text for our sermon today. Um, a lot happens before we get here. So let me place this in context. Of course, Jesus, uh, we're going to celebrate his incarnation 
uh, coming up in just a couple of weeks. In fact, we move into our Advent uh, season. We, we kick into it really next week. We start to see Christmas showing up here, and I hope you'll be here every week inviting friends to come. But Jesus, the first missionary, shows up. He comes from the very top all the way to where we are to say, I want to show you the way. The thing about mental maps, the thing about discipleship is that we do need someone outside of us. We need someone who knows the way. And Jesus comes, and, and then he not only shows us how to live as an example, but he actually becomes our substitute. He lives the perfect life on our behalf. He dies on the cross for our sin. He takes on himself the punishment due us, the justice of God and his grace collide on the cross, and salvation is made possible for us. And, and I'm, I'm curious if you've, if you've received that gift of grace, because that's where the journey begins. But Christ dies on the cross. Seven weeks later, just seven weeks later, the Spirit comes. We call it Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit comes just as Jesus has promised. And then we see in the book of Matthew what we have said is our great mission. It's the great commission, the great with Jesus mission. And you'll see it on the screen there. I want us to read this together. It's the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, the mission of our church. We now continue the mission that he's established. And Jesus came and said to them, let's read it together, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All authority has been given to him. A couple of years ago, uh, Tom Nichols wrote a book called The Death of Expertise. And in it, he said, you know, formerly we used to go to those who were experts, say in the social sciences, we go to the Ph.D. in psychology or political science. But nowadays, he says, everybody is a presumed expert, right? Everybody's got a blog, a podcast. Everybody's doing something, writing something, posting something. He says this. Listen to this. These are dangerous times. Never have so many people had access to so much knowledge and yet been so restrained to learn anything. We need an authority. We need someone who can show us the way. Someone who can show us the truth, the life. And many of you will recognize those as the words of Jesus. And so, just seven weeks later, Pentecost takes place, and here's what happens. People start to gather. Now they're in a rhythm. They've been going to the temple. They go to the temple courts. This is who they were. They were Jewish people, and they recognized Christ as the Messiah. Not the one they anticipated, but they were certain, having risen from the dead, many of them having seen him just weeks earlier, and then heard him prior to his ascension that we see there in Matthew 28 and in Acts 1-8. Then we see the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2 verse 41. I want you to turn there. Acts 2, verse 41. So here's what happened. Verse 41, so those who received his word, this is after Peter preaches at Pentecost, how God raised him up, and we're, we are all witnesses, he says. 
So those who received his word were baptized. We continue to see that even today with Everton Hilton. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. How about that? And they devoted themselves, verse 42. This word is in the Greek is proskartoreo. It means passionately devoted. Not just a nod, not just kind of a habit, not just, oh, it's Sunday, I'll go to church. Passionately devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, that is to one another as Christ is committed to us, koinonia, a love for one another, like Christ, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. Some would note that that could be communion. It's certainly that they're gathering constantly. Notice it says the prayers. They're being intentional, specific intentional prayers, times of prayer. We're, we're praying every uh, Sunday morning. Many of you are gathering at 8.30 in the fellowship hall. We'll do it again next week. Come and join us. Intentional prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So the Spirit of God was showing up, and it was clear. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions. Look at this overflowing generosity. And belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had needs. We're going to have opportunity to do that even this week. And day by day, attending the temple together. And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. You might remember Jesus said, I will build my church. He said it's his church, and he would build it. The Spirit comes, people coming to faith in Christ, and the Lord adds daily to those who are being saved. Now, a good exegetical question here is, uh, is this prescriptive or is it descriptive? Does this prescribe what the church is to look like throughout all of time, or is it descriptive of how the church looked at that time? I'd say yes and yes. There's essentials. There's a core kind of irreducible, I think, practices, aspects of the church. And, and we're going to talk today about how we do this here. All of this in response to what Christ has done. So I want to take the Google, Google map, if you will, and I want to reduce it down, not just here to Dallas, but I want to reduce it right here into our church, and let's talk about what is the pathway of discipleship? Where do we go? What are the next steps as we move forward? So here's an important concept to understand. This is a major shift for, I think, a lot of us, and it's this. Our discipleship pathway is a map, not a menu. It's a map, not a menu. Now, I say that because many of us, we approach church, and this is true in the American church today, we approach church uh, kind of as a menu. Uh, we look and we say, well, I'd like to have, I'm going to have, I like fries with that. I'd like a burger, and I'd like a shake, and I would like that. And many of us, we approach church that way. I want a church that has that. I'd like for, uh, to be able to meet at this time. I want to I have a pastor who preaches like this and one that, that will act like this and a program like that. I want ministry for my kids. I want, uh, I want music like this, and there we go. That's my church. And that's all important. In fact, it's in large part why you're here, a lot of those things. But here's what can happen. We can miss the point altogether that discipleship is a pathway. It's a map. It's not 
a menu. And so today, I want to talk about what is our path? How do we get back to an original ethos, if you will, a core purpose of the church? Okay, so here's what we see. Here's how we talk about it here. If you've been in your connect group today, you've heard this. We only do this about once a year to kind of get us back to focus. So if you're a guest, you come on a great day. I want to challenge you, where are you in the pathway? Because the question I'd have for you today, do you ever feel like you're on a journey, but you really don't know uh, what your next step might be? Or you don't know how to get on the path? Maybe even as a believer, we all hit seasons in our lives like this. You find yourself stuck. Would you describe yourself that way, spiritually? You might even say, wow, I, I think there were times in the past where I was much closer to God than I am now. Where are you? Today is for everybody to help you take the next step. So the discipleship pathway here, here's how we talk about it. We say that we worship weekly. We, we connect weekly. We serve regularly and we multiply as a lifestyle. So I want to break this down. We see every aspect of this in this particular passage. So let's break it down, the discipleship pathway. The first thing that we see here is that we commit to the journey by worshiping, okay? Now, we talk about how we worship weekly. That's the corporate gathering, right? But I want you to notice here, this is important to note. I, I've said it already. All that's happening here is in response to what Christ has done. So much had happened, and now Christ, risen from the grave, they start to meet now on Sundays, not Saturdays. Easter becomes the celebrative moment. So the journey begins with worship. We get on the track as we respond to what He has done for us. Again, have you crossed that line of faith? Have you received Christ? That's the first step, to receive Christ in response to what He's done for you on the cross. That's where the journey begins. And remember, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And some of you today, you need to join the journey that is the purpose of your life. To follow Jesus every day in response to what he's done for you. You know, some Christians uh, in, in our day seem to be kind of like concourse Christians, I call them. They get the ticket. I accepted Christ. I think I know that he died on the cross for me. And then they go to the airport and they're sitting there waiting on their flight waiting to just beam me out i'm waiting on heaven when in reality the moment we come to christ that's the beginning of the journey a first step among many and jesus mixes no words when he calls us into this journey when he says come and be a disciple here's what he says in luke 9 23 he said to them all if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me he says, from the start, you die to your own way, give me your life, and I'll fill you with purpose. And then you do that every day. Not that we're saved every day, but we continue to die to ourselves every single day. This is a challenge in our world of radical individualism. We think I'm the captain of my own soul. I'm the individual that will guide my life. And Jesus says, it's a constant dying of self in order to truly enter life and the life that he has for us it's why bonhoeffer diedrich bonhoeffer says when christ calls a man he bids him come and die and this is the life of the believer now for those of us who might be new to this or even those of us who've been at it a while we're thinking wow who wants to die well none of us want to die 
But as we do, we receive life. So we worship weekly. Now, worship is not simply a weekly thing. We say it often. You can come to church every week and not worship Jesus every day, not follow him every day, right? So Gary Thomas wrote a great book uh, called Sacred Pathways. And in it, it's a great book to read uh, because in it he talks about nine different ways that people are drawn to God in worship. We all have different ways. Things like the naturalist. You go outdoors and you just, ah, oh, I worship God when I'm outside. I'm kind of that way. How many of y'all are that way? You like to be outside, in the mountains, at the beach or somewhere. I call myself a Christ-centered naturalist. That's what I am. Uh, because I love to be outside. I can sense his presence. Some are ascetics. You like solitude and simplicity. In fact, sometimes the gathering is maybe not where you really experience God as much as you do privately. You know, contemplates who want to be contemplative in, in their worship, peaceful kind of adoration. Others of you are more celebrative. He, he talks about those who are enthusiasts. And for some, you want to be really excited and, and, and worship needs to be energetic. And then others sitting beside you might be saying, okay, I don't know that I connect with God through this particular form. So we worship God in different ways. The beauty of coming together as a church and how interesting we're here together today is to say, you know what? I will bow to my preferences on behalf of the body and of the church itself, and I'll celebrate. Here's how we know we got it right. We're celebrating all forms. Not mine is better than yours. I'm closer to God because I worship this way, right? But we celebrate that we're not the same, but we're all moving the same direction. So it all starts with worship. That's the key, and the key to your Christian life here at Park City is a key, I believe. I'd say it this way. If you're in town, we expect you to be here in worship on Sunday morning. So look at the next one. We stay on the journey by connecting, all right? We see this in, in verse, uh, verse 44. They're connecting. They're together is the operative word, the key word. They had all things in common. As you get on the journey, then you connect. And we talk about our connect groups. That's the place, friends. Here's the next step for many of you. If you're not in a connect group on Sunday mornings, come next week. Call us. Let us help you find a group over the next couple of weeks in our groups that's where congregation life happens i've been able to be in some of our groups in recent days i mean from 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 newborns all the way to the eldest among us and it is incredible what god's doing yesterday i know that out of our youth ministry the girls had a retreat we have ministry like this we have groups that meet our young girls were being taught how to be a godly woman to find your worth in christ in christ alone I was with a group of men on Thursday night who have gone into small groups. Many of them, most of them are in connect groups. They're now in small groups to go deeper in accountability with one another, sharing stories of how God has changed their lives. Our connect groups are the, really the beauty of our church. We stay on the course together. We need each other. The Christian life is a long journey. You're going to need your friend, your team, your, your, your platoon. You're going to need your posse when you get on the pathway to follow along, to go with you. This week I talked to a dear friend of mine who's been an accountability partner with me in ministry for decades now. We've walked through journeys together. We have a, con we have a meeting every month to talk about life, to share all things going on in our lives. We've been through a lot together. I met him in seminary. But you know, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Even Lone Ranger wasn't. Anybody? 
Tonto, we had Tonto. Sorry, kids. If you don't know, you can ask your parents over lunch. But, right, we, we've got to have those people with us. Batman has Robin. Han Solo, he's got Chewbacca. Kim has Kanye. I mean, all my examples <laughs> are going, going south. But, but who is your somebody? Who's your somebody? Who do you have in your life? Reach out to others. And listen, friends, in a cross-generational church, we've got to have the older speaking into mentoring the younger. So reach out to others. And young people, reach out to others who are ahead of you. And in our connect groups, that's the, where we connect and we do life together. The next one, we help others on the journey by serving. You see it there in verse 45, how they were sharing all things by serving one another. We had our Serve Dallas days recently. Lots of opportunities this week that you can see in your bulletin, even today, as we serve our city, and, and, and you have opportunities for that. I'm taking a group to Africa this summer. We've got South Texas trips coming up. This is the year that some of you need to go on a mission trip. It'll change your life. Sometimes it's simply walking across a room or across the street to serve another. The next one, look at this. We bring others on the journey by multiplying. So we worship, we connect, we serve, and we multiply. Now this one you might say, what does this look like? Well, it looks a lot like lunch. That's what it looks like. It looks a lot like having coffee with a friend. See, multiplying, mentoring, discipling another is, is a simple thing. It's this. Follow me. Let me spend time with you. Let's be intentional. Follow me as I follow Jesus every day. Who are you discipling? Whom are you investing in? Who would you name? You're, you're discipling them towards Jesus. See, discipleship is not so much adding something to your calendar. It might. It probably is more likely adding someone, including someone in your calendar where you're reaching out to them. In fact, Paul puts it this simply in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. You can see it there. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He's simply saying, find someone you can pour into their lives, live your life, follow me as I follow Jesus. Those were Paul's words specifically. Those were the first words, among the first words that I preached from this spot when I became your pastor. I hope that that can be said of me. Just follow me as I follow Jesus, but I'm going to point you to him. And this is always centered around his word. It's his word that guides us, right? It, it, it's, it's the word that brings authority. It, it's his, his word given to us that leads us. It's why the scriptures are so critical in the life of our church. You know, the problem in Christian America today is we're often looking at Bible studies that someone else wrote about their insights that they had when they read the Bible. We read their study on the Bible that they studied, and God spoke to them. God is calling us to read the Scriptures every day, so in the coming year, 2019, we're having the year of the Bible here at Park City's Baptist Church. Opportunities for our children, our youth, and across the board as we eliminate, if you will, biblical illiteracy in our culture and we're going to lead the way so i want to encourage you to multiply by investing in the lives of others and you might say well i don't know if i have that personality it's not a certain personality it takes all personalities to reach people with other personalities right a charismatic leader might be great but discipleship is better charismatic leader has a shelf life we don't have to be that kind of a leader 
And instead, discipleship has no, has no shelf life. So the discipleship pathway, again, worship weekly, connect weekly, serve regularly, multiply as a lifestyle. I think it was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, life is a journey, not a destination. I think he got it partly right. Because Jesus comes and he says, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. But he says, come to me. Years ago, I was walking with my twin daughters in a double stroller. And we were walking around the neighborhood. And I was just kind of messing with them. We went a corner, around the corner, back. You know, I know this mental map in my head. As little preschoolers, they didn't have a mental map. They didn't know where we were, and so we're just watching squirrels, you know, if you have little ones, just looking at, look at the tree, look at a leaf, you know, and everything is amazing. And, and, and I said at a point, we'd been gone 10, 15 minutes, I said, girls, do you know, um, it's time to go home, do you know how to get home? And they just, no, and didn't really care, nope. And I said, you don't know, you don't know how to get home. And they said, no, smiles on their face, no, look at the squirrel, you know, no. And I think it was Whitney. I said, how are we going to get home? And she said, Daddy, you know the way home. You see, in that moment, I was the way home. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All my girls needed to do was just rest in the double stroller and Daddy would get them home. Friend, today I want to challenge you as we close to give your heart to Christ. I want to ask you, where are you on this journey? And to commit your life anew to Him today. Let's all bow our heads and Close our eyes as we close our time together, as we sing together. Let's not have our thoughts now rush off or even rush out of here, but to stay for a moment to say, Lord, what would you have for me? Let him, let him speak to your heart right now. What has he been saying to you? Where are you on this pathway? For some, the move for you today is to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's died on the cross for you to give Him your life in response to what He's done. This holiday season will take on a new meaning of gratitude in your life. Thanksgiving is purely a deist holiday. It's saying thank you. We know whom to thank. It is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of you need to make the commitment even now to be baptized, to go public with your faith. Others need to join the church today. You need to determine to get in a connect group, to serve in some specific way, to pour your life into another person, to make disciples. Lord, as we follow you together, I thank you that we do none of this alone. The beauty of this church is we have one another and what great love abounds in this place. 
So thank you, Lord. As we commit our lives to you now, we say to you, here, here am I. Here am I, Lord. You have found me. One who will commit to the journey and help others on the journey as well. We give you our lives in Christ's name. Amen and amen. So we're going to close our time with a song that many of you know. It's an old hymn, uh, Here Am I, Lord. After the service, we're going to uh, have an opportunity. I'll be back in the back in the chapel there, or in the narthex area, the, the foyer. Come and find us there. If you have a guest, I'd love to meet you. If you want to come and make a decision, pray with someone. If you want to come be baptized, join the church, find us right back there. If you have questions about how to get in the connect group, we'd love to help you with that too. So we'll be back at our next steps area that you can get to and take your next step. But right now, I want us to respond corporately to the Lord and sing this from our hearts. Let's all stand together as Stephen and the choir lead us. Lord, hear my voice.